What's up, tribe? Holy smokes. It's Michael Fleming here, coming at you with yet another episode of Find Your Voice, where we talk about the continual improvement of the health, the wealth, and the relationships in your dental organization. And I say coming at you with yet another episode. Technically, this is episode number one of 2020. Holy smokes. Am I in the world that I wait until January 8th to start this? Well, if you must ask, uh, I'm actually building a program right now based on the last four episodes that I did in 2019 that really talks about uh, mastering your areas of influence and how you can set sustainable goals. And so I'm kind of putting that into, into like a, a program format or a course format. So I'll be sharing that with you. It's not even close to being uh, uh, finished yet, but I've been pour- pouring some effort towards that. And again, you know, not just because it's the beginning of the new year, but it's that time of year when so many people are setting new goals. They're looking at what they've been doing. They're looking at what they did in 2019. They're looking what they can be doing in 2020. And, you know, a lot of the new year's resolutions, uh, a lot of the new goal settings, but, you know, oftentimes people just set these goals and then nothing happens, right? They're really good. They have great intentions for two weeks and then poof, they disappear. As opposed to, you know, how do we create long-term sustainable goals? And I don't want to reiterate that too much. That's not what this episode is about. But that's why I'm putting that together. That's why it's going to be coming your way. uh, Potentially towards the third, fourth week of of January. So even though it's kind of past that traditional uh, New Year's resolution, this isn't about New Year's resolution. This is about setting long-term goals that you're going to be able to sustain throughout 2020 and even beyond that, right? So you know, coming back full circle, that's kind of, that's my excuse for not doing anything since January 8th, but I've been doing a ton. Uh, but anyway, what I'm coming at you with today is in regards to uh, data. It's in regards to analysis, right? So again, you know, we're all plugged into marketing and dental marketing, right? And so what I want us to start talking about is data, uh, such so uh, an analysis, you know, ROI analysis. If you read the book, you know, we talk a bit about, uh, you, you know, your KPIs, your key performance indicators, as well as your uh, return and investment numbers so that you have a good idea of what good successful marketing looks like. What I want to talk to you about today, though, is not just the metrics and not just the measuring, but also what to do with the data, Right. Um, because that's what we're starting to run into right now is the, obviously the, the more educated we get, the, the more, uh, it's not educated, right. But the, the more tribal knowledge that we've got, the more stories that we've got, the more success stories that we've seen, uh, the more excited we are to share with everyone. Right. And so a, a lot of it kind of steps, right. Everyone knows that they need to do marketing for the dental practice. Right. So they'll embark on, you know, plan A. Uh, and then it either works or it doesn't, and then they embark on plan B, and it either works or it doesn't, and then they embark on plan C. And they they just kind of go through these marketing motions, if that makes sense, right, where, where they're doing it because they know they need to do it. But then when it comes time to actually crunch the numbers and look at that ROI, that return on investment, it oftentimes it's a head scratcher, right? It becomes very... Uh, subjective as to what does success look like. And it's so funny because you would think it's the opposite, right? Because if you're looking at numbers, if you're looking at return on investment numbers, most of the time that should be an objective number, right? We know what success looks like. 
But oftentimes, you'd be surprised at how many times or how many people have uh, metrics that are kind of dynamic, right? Does that make sense? And I think that's where a lot of the, the irony comes from, where you get these objective numbers and you finally get these objective numbers, right? And then you'll have these conversations as to whether or not the marketing is actually working, right? And it's so funny that only because, you know, I think a lot of the opportunity is a setting the the expectations up front uh, so that you have a good benchmark, right? But then even after that, taking the time to analyze that. So rewind back about 11 years ago, uh, when we first, we really started to do a big push on call tracking because that was such a great tool that offered this ability to not just track calls, but also record them uh, or record them so that you had the ability to listen to these phone calls to, so you, you didn't just count them. You were able to actually listen to the call so you could hear the call quality. And then at that point, you could get a good idea of the type of response that you were getting from and, the, and what we would do. These were connected with direct mail. So a direct mail piece would mail out. There would be a phone number on there that ha- that was a call tracking number. And then, of course, you had this online dashboard that you were able to log in and uh, access the call tracking numbers. You could see how many calls came in. You could record the call. You could listen to that call for call coaching opportunities. So it's just a great tool, a great opportunity to be able to see, you know, put some objective numbers to this subjective, well, did it work or did it not? Because that was one of the things that we were dealing with, and it, we're still dealing with it today, is someone will embark the, the, on a direct mail project. They'll mail the direct mail project. It'll go out. And on average, if you're mailing, you know, 5,000 pieces, you're going to get, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 phone calls, right? And from there, you're going to get eight to 10 scheduled appointments, right? That's that's pretty much the math behind what you're doing with direct mail, right? And it's reliable. It's kind of the old reliable. You know exactly what kind of response you're going to get. And so you budget to that and you've got a consistent cost per acquisition and you know how to proceed from there, right? But what was happening was, you know, prior to us having all of this tribal knowledge that I even just regurgitated to you right now was a lot of subjective, well, I don't know. Is it working? Well, but the we got a couple calls on it. Well, how many new patients? Oh, we don't know. You don't know. So you, you're not tracking? No, no, we don't have a way to track to see how we get new patients, let alone whether or not they're tracking the number of new patients at that time. Does that make sense? And so it really was kind of this evolving experience where we almost had to work with our clients and train our clients as to how to set the expectations up front so that they can start to measure success and, and acknowledge success. I, and I think that's the biggest part of this is learning how to acknowledge success. And then even taking it a step far, forward, celebrating that success. Because I can't tell you how many people live in scarcity. And what that means is they'll always undercut or underestimate their capabilities uh, or their response or, you know, what they're doing, because a lot of what we were also seeing was, you know, we would, well, and this happened with call tracking too, is once we started having objective numbers attached, you know, people would be like, yeah, it didn't really work that well. And it's like, wow, it's, it's so funny because you're call tracking, you've got like 20 calls here. 
and that's above average. That that is really good. Yeah, but you know, we didn't really, yeah, we, we didn't really see a, a ton of new patients, and you know, we didn't see a, a ton of money. It's like, oh, okay, so are you tracking the revenue of of the new patients that are coming in? Well, well, no. I mean, I guess we could look it up, but we weren't really doing it. And what we what we learned was that a lot of what was happening was. Uh, people would say it wasn't working that good because they were afraid to say, I don't have cash right now. Because obviously we can all acknowledge uh, that cash flow is king in this business. And that's why revenue cycle management is such a big thing right now is because everyone's struggling to get cash in a timely manner uh, from their insurance providers, right? And if they're able to get cash patients, that's amazing. That's awesome. They're able to to, uh, uh, incur that revenue right now. But otherwise, you're playing that revenue cycle management game. And, and so what was happening was we were confused. We were kind of vexed because we're looking at these objective numbers going, wow, this is really good. Like, why aren't you going to do it again the next month? The real reason was they didn't have the cash flow to do it. But the words that were coming out of their mouth were, well, we just didn't really see a ton of new patients that were coming in. It's like, oh, wow, okay. And so it's kind of like this mixed bag of, what's happening. And that's why I wanted to talk with you today, because I want to be be talking with my my office manager, with my dentist. I want to be talking with my director of marketing or my marketing coordinator. I want to be talking with my C-level cats. I want to be talking with uh, the private equity, uh, because this is a big learning. And, and quite honestly, the, the group that figures this out the first is going to get rich, right? They're going to be the trailblazers, because what we're seeing in this industry is marketing is a line item. Okay. What I mean by this is, you know, as we just wrapped up our 2019 budgeting, what we saw 2020's marketing as was a line item, as a budget item, as, you know, okay, it's three to 6%, depending on the organization, right? It's three to 6%. So let's just say for rounding 5% of, of our forecasted gross dollars is going towards marketing, right? And so, if we're going to, you know, forecast revenues for Q1 or, or, or even the total year, marketing is going to get, it's a line item. It's a, it's a 5% piece. And so you can budget to that. So here, marketing director, marketing coordinator, here's 5% of, you know, $1 million or $10 million or $100,000, whatever that is, whatever the scale of that organization is, right? And here's what you have to, to operate with, right? And, and that's it. And then they wipe their hands and they walk away and it's like, okay, let's see where else that goes. What winds up happening though, and what's not being adequately communicated. And, and again, we're seeing this because of, we're getting an increased request for what is the marketing doing? How is the marketing performing? But then what we're, we're really seeing, and this is the intent of why we're having this podcast today, is once you get this data, what do you do with it? right? What do you do with this information? Because what's happening is we are, and maybe it's because of the business that we run. We're in our 14th year right now and we have a ton of tribal knowledge and we have a ton of experience and we know what works and we know what doesn't. And we know what kind of marketing works for what kind of marketing you're looking at doing, right? What Are you looking at just getting new patients? What kind of new patients? Are you looking at promoting a certain procedure? What kind of procedure? What's that demographic? Where is it going to be mailing to? What's the frequency? You know, there's all of these different things that line up that really make a successful marketing campaign. And due to our, our 14 years of tribal knowledge, we're able to put these together 
very quickly and we're able to shorten that learning curve so that there basically is no curve because we're you're basically learning from other companies that have been doing this over the years, right? Does that make sense? And so what we're starting to see is we're starting to see massive return on investment, right? And it's it's very encouraging. It's very exciting. Uh, we love seeing these ROI numbers. But on inversely, what we're also seeing is that we're not seeing adequate action or reaction taken when it's performing. So let me tell you this story. Uh, if anyone embarks on a marketing campaign and you start you start marketing, say it's Google Ads or say it's direct mail, let's, let's talk about direct mail, uh, and you invest $2,000 and you send 5,000 pieces out and it just doesn't work, right? We hear this all the time, man, it just doesn't work and that's how we pick up a lot of businesses because there's always a reason that it doesn't work, right? But for some people, they'll try it and they, they feel like it was a waste of $2,000 and they're like, I'm good, I tried it. I gave it the good old college try and it didn't work and so now check that off, direct mail doesn't work, I'm never gonna do it again. Waste $2,000, right? And so when, the story I'm telling here is that they make quick reactions when it's not working, right? And so we see that oftentimes. In fact, you do that, right? It's a, again, it's back in that mindset of scarcity, right? And again, that's the value that we add is since we're able to shorten that learning curve, we're able to show value immediately out of the gate with, with things like your, your Google ads, with your uh, direct mail, right? With your non-traditional out-of-home, whatever media you're doing, we're able to, to connect the return on investment on that, right? And so going the other way, you know, what happens when it hits gangbusters and all of a sudden you turn $2,000 into $10,000, right? Well, what happens is they wind up doing it again as opposed to what should they be doing, right? And this goes back to, uh, if you've ever done any readings or, or watched any uh, videos by Dan Kennedy, uh, he has a saying, and I'm totally gonna slaughter it right now, but I'm gonna share the, the intent with you is the business that figures how to outspend its competitors to gain a new client wins. All right, rewind that if you need to hear that again, because I'm not sure I'll be able to regurgitate that the, the same way, but but basically the, the business that figures out how to outspend its competition to gain a client will win. And so what I mean by this, and to make this make sense, because oftentimes when I, when I say this, people are like, what in the world does that mean? What it means is, Back to that direct mail uh, analogy I just gave you, you know, that that five to one, right? So for the $2,000 spends, if you if you get $10,000 back, it's a five to one return on investment, right? Uh, what should you be doing once you figure that, that out? Should you be trimming back or should you be just maintaining? Because that's what most people do. They're like, no, it was good enough, you know, or should you double down and now spend $4,000 with the intent of, getting $20,000 return on your investment in the next month, right? Or do you get crazy and instead of $2,000, you 10 times that, put $20,000 down and receive $100,000. Does that make sense? It's all scalable. Nothing changes, right? And that's what we're struggling to, for our finance people to see is that marketing in their mind is an expense the cash flow they're not linking the cash flow or the increased cash flow to that marketing spend and so they're not seeing the the cause and the effect right what they're seeing is they're seeing increased cash flow coming in but they're managing that cash flow to the bottom line as opposed to looking farther upstream to see what's generating that increased cash flow does that make sense 
And this five to one analogy that I, I gave you, that I just shared with you, that's conservative. We actually had a story, and I'm, I'm, I've probably told you this story because it's, it's a big one. We saw an 18 to one return on investment with one of our clients in the Chicago metro uh, market. 18 to one. And I don't tell you this to impress you. Uh, I tell this to impress upon you that, you know, when we see returns on investments that are starting to, to be that level, it becomes a no-brainer. Like the analogy that I was giving is, is, is we were in Vegas and I discovered a, ca- a, a slot machine that was kicking out, you know, $5 for every $1, right? So you put in a dollar, it gives you $5 back. How much money would you bring to that machine, right? And the obvious answer is as much as I could scrape up. If I was guaranteed a five to one, and I knew this based on previous history, right? I've got the track track record. I already know what this number is because that's what's happening, folks, is that I'm not just making this five to one up or this 10 to one or this 18 to one number up. What we're doing is we're going on legacy numbers because we offer all of this this tracking and this match back tracking and this return on investment tracking to create these key performance indicators for our clients so that we know that when we mail, you're going to be getting you know X amount of new patients and you're going to be getting X amount of revenue from these new patients and you're going to be able to figure out all of these key performance indicators so that you're able to make decisions in the future, right? So you're going to know, okay, now for, you know, every time I mail this direct mail piece or every time I do this Google display ad or whatever that is, uh, every time I run this non-traditional out-of-home media campaign that's connected with a website, whatever that is, right, or a funnel page, that you're able to connect revenue with that so that you get to the point where it's no longer, oh, let's measure to see what has already happened. You can now use these numbers to forecast forward where it's like, okay, now that we've been doing this over the last six months and we know the return on investment is, you know, $5 for every one, let's double down because we need new, we need more patients and we need more cash flow. Let's double down or let's triple down and let's bring more money to the table knowing that we're going to get this five to one or this 10 to one. And again, back to my private equity people that are listening. Once you guys figure this out and girls, it's not just guys, sorry, I didn't mean to imply uh, any sex to, to that. But once my finance people figure out the value of this marketing and the value to that top line cash flow. Because again, cash is king. And if you didn't know that, write that down. Cash is king for all of my more local like office managers or or dentists. Because I, and I don't mean to be sarcastic because I think about 10 years ago, we're sitting down with our uh, our bookkeeper and, uh, you know, we're, we're just like grinding it out, grinding it out. And she's like, man, you know, of all my clients, you guys have the best cash flow. And my business partner and I look at each other and we're like, what the hell does that mean? We're always broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so at the time, we didn't realize, but well, what does that mean, the value of cash? But again, that's a whole different episode, right? So my finance people are laughing at this because they, they know what I'm talking about. But but cash is king. Uh, and assuming you, you know this already, your quickest avenue to get more cash is to increase your marketing spend, right? Does that make sense? Because once we have these metrics in place, of five to one or eight to one or 10 to one or 15 to one or even 18 to one, you know what you're going to get, right? It's kind of like priming that pump, it, right? If you've ever primed a pump, is that an old analogy to you? Have you ever actually gone to like a camp where it had like a pump and you had to put a little water in there to prime it, to, to lubricate it, to create enough uh, suction to, to be able to pump the water? 
And then of course, you know, it, it might take like a little glass full of water, but once you prime that pump, then all of a sudden you're able to pull gallons and gallons and gallons of water out. It's, well, it's very similar to this analogy, right? It may take you $2,000 to generate $10,000, right? It may take you $20,000 to generate $100,000. And again, guys, if you're, you're writing this down, it's not five to one. <laughs> it's more like 10 to one or 15 to one, right? And so if you're getting 10 to one, if you're getting, uh, if you're spending $2,000, it's more likely that you're getting 20 to $25,000 of production out of, out of those new patients, right? So now do the math, right? If you're doing, spending $2,000 and you're getting $20,000, guess what happens when you show up to the table with $20,000? You're not talking $200,000 in new cash flow, right? And this is the key here, guys. New cash flow from what you've been doing already, right? So it's one thing to really maximize production from existing patients, from your existing clients, right? It's another to bring new cash to the table, right? And this is what I'm really trying to educate uh, and this is why we're having this episode right now is to get you in that mindset of, okay, now that we've got the numbers, what do we do with these numbers? And, and again, oftentimes when you're living in that world of scarcity, what you automatically will do is if the numbers are down, you cut. And if the numbers are great, you sustain, but you never give yourself the opportunity to realize the upside, right? Because sh what should be happening is once you've got these key performance indicators, once you've got these metrics that have proven to yourself, right, you, there's no greater proof than the numbers of what you've already done. Once you have these numbers and you know them to be true, this is when you double down and you invest in yourself. This is when you trust in yourself. This is when you look at those numbers and, and look at them and know them to be true because they're your own numbers. You can now say, holy smokes, on average, we're getting a 10 to 1 return on investment on total production from every new patient. And we need some new cash for Q3. Guess what, guys? As opposed to living in scarcity, your quickest path to that increased cash flow is not cutting expenses. It's investing more in your marketing dollar so you can generate more top-line revenue and top-line opportunities and more production plans, right? More production, more production. Because that's where you're getting your money from is more production. Increase the production. Don't reduce expenses, right? And I... I, I'm speaking as if I'm speaking to to an accountant, but I think that is my biggest opportunity where I need to start sharing better stories with is to really link the value because I'll tell you, and again, back to why I, I talk so much about uh, our human psyche and and our emotions, right? Is that oftentimes with our accounting people, everything needs to be perfect. It needs to be proven and it needs to be understandable. And that's why... We, we have these relationships where when we're putting together these budgets, the, the accounting mindset is going to be like, okay, marketing, here's your 3% based on the forecast, which I'm still kind of shaky about the forecast because I don't know, because it's the sales and marketing people that are putting together this forecast. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's good, but you know, based on that, the CEO, as crazy as they are, they're saying that this is what we're going to do. So here's your 3% and then that's it. And then they never circle back with their marketing directors or their, their marketing people to see what that performance looks like, right? Because we're giving back these key performance indicators and I think they're dying on the tables of the, the VPs of, of marketing because they're using that number to, to manage the marketing, right? And that's what they're doing and that's, that's their job. That they're fulfilling their responsibility to make sure that they're spending the, 
the company's money or their own money responsibly, and they're making sure that they're getting back. So I'm not trying to to throw any shade on any of these directors of marketing whatsoever because they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So it's almost like uh, talking to these 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 finance people is you almost need to go and pull those numbers from your marketing people or from my directors of marketing are listening, have the confidence to take these numbers upstream to your, your private equity or your, your accounting and say, wow, okay, I've identified this and I've been sitting on this, but I just listened to this guy who's talking and he's kind of a whack job, but sometimes he says some things that are, that make sense. And so I just want, if anything here, listen to this podcast episode and see, you know, he's kind of funny sometimes. He's kind of not, he's definitely a jackass, but listen to what he's saying because He's got some tribal knowledge. He works with some, like everybody, he works with some pretty big DSOs. He works with some smaller DSOs. He works with mom and pop shops and everything in between. And he's got a ton of tribal knowledge. So he's definitely worth listening to. Uh, But listen to this and see if it holds water. Because again, once we can all get on the same page of looking at that ROI and whoever figures, again, whoever figures this out first is going to be a massive winner because everyone's living in scarcity right now. Everyone's waiting to see what's gonna be happening in the future and everyone's kind of looking around as opposed to knowing and trusting the numbers that they're already getting, right? Once you can trust those numbers and you can have faith in those numbers and know that they're they're real numbers because they're, they're your own, they're your own numbers, right? Then you start to double down and then you start to invest more and that's that's how you grow. That's how you grow that organization is through faith. And again, back to these private equity groups, I understand the intent of the, the private equity group is to grow that organization, right? So if you're, you're, you've got this $20 million or, or organization or $100 million organization, you know, your your objective may be to grow it to, you know, from 100 million to 500 million. And then at that point, you spin that off to another equity group or, or another larger DSO or whatever that is, right? But every, we all understand what the intent of, of that group is, is to be financially and fiscally responsible to grow but, but what I'm seeing from the outside looking in is so much focus on the revenue cycle management and, you know, pushing out bills and speeding up uh, income and cash and not spending time growing the business. Does that make sense? Because if you're growing the business organically, you're going to increase cash flow, right? Continue to maintain the existing patients and offer amazing customer service and amazing service to your existing patients, right? To keep as much of that patient base as possible but then also grow as many patients as possible, right? And then, of course, grow until it hurts. Grow until you need another chair. Grow until you need another hygienist. Grow until you need another dentist. Grow until you need another two hygienists, right? And you've got metrics for that as well, right? But but go fast and break it. Don't be afraid, right? Everyone seems to be afraid and everyone's like really looking to save their own job. Does that make sense? Everyone's looking to kind of save their own ass as opposed to saying, hey, you know what, guys? It's time to blaze this trail. Let's blow this thing up and let's do the thing, right? And I've identified, you know, some marketing opportunities over here. Let's invest in ourselves and let's do this and see what happens, right? You can always cut back, you know, because again, that's part of the whole marketing thing as well. And this is why we have the key performance indicators. Not everything is a silver bullet all the time. You find that silver bullet, you invest in it as much as possible and you continue to measure those KPIs. And as they start to dwindle down, which they will, because you've got a finite population around you, right? And once you've you capped out the marketing on that population with that marketing message and it starts to peter down, that's when you trim back, right? And that's by that time, we figured out the, site, the, the next message that's really starting to resonate. Then you double down on that message. You, fa- you phase out the first message that's phasing out. You increase the one that's now uh, ramping up. 
And then you, you double down on that one, right? And then it, as the KPIs start to show that it's backing off a little bit, then you pull back down, right? And But but once it, it, it increases and it's solid numbers, always invest, always invest. So uh, it's kind of a sporadic, uh, kind of an emotional one on my part. Uh, and I do digress. Back to uh, personal improvement. I'm doing an in, intermittent fast right now. I think I might do a podcast on that because if you're looking at uh, increasing your health, increasing uh, your vitality, uh, increasing your energy, uh, I got to I gotta vouch for this because it's crazy. So sorry if I'm sounding a little spastic right now, but I haven't eaten in 16 hours and I'm about to jump out the window. I'm so excited. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, to wrap this up, you know, again, the intent of this is not to uh, throw doubt, throw shade, uh, make you feel like you're not doing your job right. It's really an opportunity for you to start looking at your numbers differently, right? If you're not collecting KPIs, if you're not uh, collecting ROI, go buy my book right now because it absolutely talks about not just the implementation of uh, the creation of your message, the implementation of your media. It also follows that up or closes that loop with listening to the crowd is what I call it, is you're collecting that information and you're looking to see how it's performing, but it also helps you set what success looks like, right? And then from that step, once you know what success looks like, when you're seeing success, double down. Does that make sense? Triple down, quadruple down, throw more money at it. Because again, back to what Dan Kennedy's saying, the business that figures out, or in this in this case, the dental practice that figures out how to spend the most money to acquire a customer in your market wins. If you're outspending your competitors, you're going to win. Again, back to that. If you've got a 10 to one return on investment, if you're spending $2,000 to generate $10,000 and your competitor across the, speed, uh, across the street is spending $20,000 to generate $100,000 in revenue, who's going to win? So again, that, this is how that works. You're priming that pump. The more, the, the more touches that you're getting out there, the more eyeballs that you can get on your message, the more response that you're going to get. So I hope that makes sense. Looking forward to your feedback. Looking forward to, to seeing how you're implementing this. And again, when it comes to KPIs, I'm your guy right here. Because uh, oftentimes we'll sit down and we'll talk to people that, hey, yeah, yeah, we're tracking ROI. Yeah, yeah, we've got our key performance indicators. Yeah, we're doing great. Well, what the hell are you doing with that? And then at that point, the eyes get in. And of course, we never have that language. What the hell are you doing with it? But oftentimes we'll start to sit down and we'll ask them, okay, this is great information. We love it. But what are you doing with that information? And the answer is oftentimes... Well, it validates whether or not we need to come back or, or continue to do it. But no one, no one is saying, man, that's our indicator to throw more money at it because now we, we've built that cash machine that's going to give us that 5 to 1 or that 10 to 1 or that 18 to 1, right? And again, once, once people figure that out and they're able to invest more money in themselves and have faith in themselves, that faith will equal growth. And once you gain that faith in your own numbers, and again, talking back to my my uh my investors or my uh, accounting or my private equity who are very uh, finance minded, it's believing in your own numbers. So it's not necessarily that, oh man, the sales guys telling me to take a leap of face. We all know what that means, right? You're nudging each other, right? You're rolling your eyes. You're like, oh my gosh, you can't trust these guys as far as you can throw them. But what you can trust is your own numbers. You can trust your own data. When you're getting these, these ROIs, that are bringing that back, that five to one, that 10 to one, that 18 to one, you can believe in your own numbers and trust in the fact that if we invest this chunk of money, we're going to increase it from 2000 to $20,000, knowing that we're going to get this 
return on investment, then at that point, you can see what the actual ROI is. And as it confirms that, then you can even go even higher. Let's throw $100,000 at it. See what the cap is. At some point, you're going to reach a cap. At some point, you're going to run out of population, right? But when I'm talking to my private equity groups, you're, you're not even talking to 5% of your potential audience. Does that make sense? You're going to run out of chairs before you run out of before you run out of opportunity, before you run out of people to talk to, right? And what an amazing problem that is to have. Oh, we need to bring in another chair. Oh, we need to bring in another doctor. Oh, we need to bring in three more hygienists, right? These are good problems to have. These are growth problems. This is the problems that we want to be having. And I know my HR people want to throw up in their mouth right now because they can barely keep up, right? But these are the problems. If you're going to have a problem, this is the problem that you want to have, right? Because inversely, remember, rewind back to 2008. Well, how did that feel like handing out pink slips? I think that was a little more painful than it was trying to find a dentist or a hygienist to staff up or bringing in a new chair, right? These are the problems we don't want to have. We don't want to be living in scarcity. We don't want to be hanging, handing out pink slips. We don't want to be cutting back, right? We want to be growing. Uh, so sorry, I continue to go on. I'm going to wrap it up right now, but this is the key right here, right? Outspend your competitor, grow. That's, that's the path right there. So dying to get your feedback. Any questions? Uh, if you're looking for help uh, creating KPIs or analyzing your, your KPIs, analyzing your ROI, I'm your guy right now. Just give us a call. Uh, our number at, at Innovate is 503-213-4368. You can either ask for myself, Michael Fleming, or ask for, for Cody Gallagher as well. Uh, he'll help you with that ROI analysis because this is a, a massive opportunity right now. And the, and the more practices that are able to, to realize that, the more the, the quicker they will be realizing uh, abundance in their own practice. So uh, have an amazing day. Uh, again, this is the first podcast I've got in uh, 2020. So I, I hope that you're having an amazing 2020 and happy new year. And uh, I'm wishing you, wishing you nothing but abundance for 2020. I hope this is your best year ever. I'll talk to you soon.